Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey. Uh. Delilah. I feel like that's the voice I'm doing right now. Does it, Does anyone know? Is that local? It's not local. No. It's national. Yeah. How many people knew Delilah? Everyone knows Delilah. <laughs> She's still going. Is she really? Yeah. I thought that stopped, but which is I what used, happened is I don't listen to the radio. Yeah. I used to hate Delilah when I was younger, but I actually kind of respect her yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think she's like a good person. and She's, she's just been, trying to get everyone laid. Yeah. That's her I whole goal. I don't know. I just I think <laughs> she's a good person who went through like tough shit and talked about it on the radio all I, the time. I don't remember she, that part of it. She went through a divorce and stuff, and she continued to, like, give other people love advice and want them to have things that she didn't currently have. And I think that's, like, a tough thing to do. That's really nice. Yeah. It's, like, perspective I gained once I was a little older and, like, understood a little more about life that I didn't get when I was a kid and just thought it was sappy and annoying. Yeah, what I remember about Delilah is, like, you would, like, she would, like, read a letter from someone that wrote in and... Then she would be like real encouraging to them and be like, you're going to make it work. You're going to yeah. you're going to get you're going to get it, girl. It was, it was always people like having problems and her being like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Just like sort of encouraging advice. <laughs> Nothing radical, you know. And then immediately followed by like something by Rod Stewart. Or yeah, something. a lot of Rod Stewart. <laughs> a lot of Rod Stewart. I, that, that's a pretty respectable gig. It seems cheesy now. I heard something interesting about Rod Stewart the other day, which is something that hasn't been said in a long time. But all right, um, I was working with a pharmacist, and because um, that's what I do. I feel like I know what the just tell no, me. No, a Rod Stewart song came on. Okay, and he was like, "This is my favorite. This is the the best." thing that ever happened to me when I was working at Rite Aid because he used to work at Rite Aid and I was like Rod Stewart and he's like (laughs) yeah and I was like okay I need more information (laughs) I was Rod Stewart the best thing that happened to you apparently they had some like conference for Rite Aid employees and he and other people at the store he was currently working at were specifically invited to go to this conference. And there's like a bunch of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. When they got there, they surprised them all with like a special concert. They're like, we have a, a very special like musical cast, like a musician for you guys. It was Rod Stewart. Like in person? In person. Like a live performance by Rod Stewart at a Rite Aid conference. It just goes to show how far the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Well, like, Not Rod Stewart. I mean, Rite Aid as a company. You know, like, um, I kind of feel like a lot of musicians do these, like, corporate gigs. <laughs> yeah. Comedians, too. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, a, a big way that they make money because, like, they're willing to actually shell out for them. Right. Um, I just thought, I just, so weird. I wouldn't think of Rod Stewart to, like, present to the Rite Aid board, you know, like, here he is, everyone, Mr. Rod Stewart. But, I mean, this was quite a while ago. Yeah. So it was, like, he would have been more, like, in his prime than he is now, (laughs) and more people would be, like, big fans of him. Is he still doing it? I think so. I don't, I'm not really sure. I just picture him in a leopard coat somewhere. (laughs) 
there's this guy I see occasionally around who has a real Rod Stewarty look about him, and it always <laughs> makes me laugh. He's got the hair, and I'm just like, man. Yeah. Just to do something about it. Rod Stewart. I didn't yeah. think we were going to talk about him today. Neither did I. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm in pain today. Yes. Got a good deal of soreness. Um, once a month, one of my teammates named Brittany, mm-hmm. who recently, this season, transferred to our team, and we're very happy to have her. Um, she also teaches something called body pump. It's almost like Zumba, but slightly different. Instead of just having, like, dances to songs, instead of, like, dance moves, you're doing, like, a workout. Like, each song kind of has a focus. Okay. Like, squats or lunges or triceps or abs. Um, So those are basically what we did at last practice. So it's, like, the length of a song. Right. Each little workout thing. And you use weights. We use our skates as weights because okay. we have them and they weigh like five pounds. Right. Um, but every time I do her workout, I can't walk for four days afterwards. Like, yeah, the, my arms are a little sore. My, my, my abs are <coughs> fine. My legs. I know. Kill me. And the thing is, like. I I haven't been going to the gym as often, so that is something I need to get back into. But I was going to the gym regularly, and yeah. my legs were one thing I worked out, like, a lot and did a lot of squats and, like, really proud of my legs yeah. and how strong they are. And it wrecks me. Right. It well, imagine how it would be me. if you like, hadn't done all that. Right. In the, in the way that, like, I can't sit down or get up from the toilet normally for four <laughs> days after this workout. And I know she takes pride in that, and she should. Yeah. And anyone who wants to look into a, a good workout, like, I, if you can find a body pump class, I do recommend it. But my goal, one of my goal, one of my, go- one one of my, my goal, goal, one of my goals for the upcoming year is to get into good enough shape that I can do her body pump workout and not be broken. I mean, I couldn't really skate afterwards. My legs were that shaky yeah. and jello. So I that is my goal. Something I'm working it's a on. Pretty aggressive workout. The thing is, it doesn't seem that way when you're what doing you it. Like squats for like a long time. Yeah, That's it's like, like a ton of It's resistance. not just like the song is playing and you're just doing like one kind of squat. It's like you're you're doing different kinds of switching it up. So you're like doing a squat for four counts and then you come up for four counts. You do a couple yeah. of those and then you you do the elevator drop is one of the ones where you like drop into your squat and then slowly come back up. OK, um, that one's intense. But you like rotate through these different squats and you also um, vary how wide your stance is because that works on different parts of like your legs and butt. Yeah. Um, so it's like two or three minutes of this and when you're doing it, like you could feel the workout, but it doesn't feel like on the outside, it's like you're doing a workout to a song. It's like comparable to Zumba. When you think about it, you wouldn't be like, oh, this is an intense workout that's really going to ruin me, but Mm -hmm. it's deceptive. Well, setting stuff to music is a good way to also like kind of lose track of how long something is. Yeah. Uh, like music, it just kind of 
makes things go faster, especially like the beat of the song has a psychological effect too. So like if you yeah. have a fast beat, time seems to sort of pass quicker. I'm also like um, a teacher's pet <clears throat> by nature. And it's one thing I like about workout classes is like I like being able to follow someone and try to get the move right and do it like as best I can. And like okay. I pick up on routines and stuff pretty quickly. So I get lost in that a little bit and don't think about how much work I'm actually doing and like yeah. <laughs> how I'm going to feel it. I knew going into it I was going to be sore since I was really sore the last time. You laughed at me because I had to, like, pick my legs up, physically pick them up, and put them in the car with us. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. It's, 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 well, it's doing its job. It's a good workout, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, as long as you're able to, like, actually live your life, you know, out after doing this. I mean, not very well, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> the- not without complaining. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Let's be honest. We were always going to complain no matter what. That's true. Um, but I will say, I will say that, like, you know, the fact that it's having that effect on you is probably a, a good thing. It means you're like actually, you're actually developing. You know. Well, I'm pushing myself. It's not like I. I will say <sighs> this is like more more soreness than I usually have after the workouts I do for myself mm-hmm. when I do them. So I think what that's telling me is that I need to be pushing myself a little bit more. Maybe not as much as I don't want this level of soreness every time, but I need to be pushing myself yeah. a little more to know that I'm actually right. developing more muscle and, and all that stuff. So that it's just like a good little um, note, you know, my yeah. body telling me like, maybe not that hard, but that we got to work up to that. Yeah. So... Something I want to work towards. And Derby's going to be going on break soon. So I'm going to try to go to more Zumba classes and go to the gym more and also go skating in my off time. Yeah, right. Get some roller skating in. When you uh, add all friend, that up, you realize you don't have off time. <laughs> right. Our friend um, Kristen was asking people if they wanted to go roller skating tonight. I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. The answer is yes, but I can't tonight. Yeah. Also got a performance review at work, which I told you, but... Yeah, you did. Got a performance review, went okay. <laughs> went pretty good. Beep, 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 beep. This just in. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Just like a... Performance review goes pretty okay. Yeah, and good things for me, you know? Yeah, that's good. I got nothing. Yeah, nothing? Got, I got nothing. I just, like, all I want to do is be in bed lately. I, I just, know. We got to work on that. We need yeah. to figure that out. I'm just, like, super exhausted. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. And the things that I would want to talk about are so boring. Like, my Stardew Valley farm is churning out a lot of wine lately. <laughs> like, I feel like those... Remember that, like, um, that, like... Thing of just like lonely vlogs on early YouTube, <laughs> yeah. Like that's right now my spirit animal. It's some like fourteen-year-old girl's like sad, lonely blog on YouTube. Like that's how I feel right now. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay to not be like. I don't know why we have this idea that we have to be like. I I know we have a podcast and maybe we should be a little bit exciting yeah. on the podcast, but like yep. as people in general. 
we don't have to be like exciting all the time. It's okay to just be like content and to enjoy what you're doing. And like, you don't have to be doing something ridiculously big to like, I guess so, you know, but it's also, it's like, I think like my thing is like, like, I just feel like I've like, I've like, I juiced up this brain for so many years (laughs) on so much excitement that sometimes I feel like if stuff's just normal, it's like, what am I, what am I doing? Yeah, but I mean that that's an that's an error of the past of like thinking that you needed to be like juiced up all the time. That's not yeah. an error of the present. Also, we're older now. Yeah. Like there's something to be said for like easing into a comfort and that being okay. Like being okay with where you're at yeah. and being content. It doesn't mean that you like don't do exciting things sometimes, but we don't always have to be doing exciting things, says the person who regularly puts skates on and runs into people on them. <laughs> I know, but it's like the the this stupid meat box in my head wants the juice. <clears throat> yeah. The meat box wants the juice <laughs> big time. I'm writing that down. <sighs> the meat box wants the juice. The meat box big is dying time. for the juice. <laughs> It sounds dirty, but I don't quite know. (laughs) (sighs) So anyway, that's that's it. My Stardew Valley farm is producing quite a bit of wine. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's great. I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that could only be punctuated with putting my head in my hands and sobbing loudly. (laughs) This has been Existential Crisis Corner. (laughs) Yep. I read something recently. I told this to my pharmacist today, and she might think I'm crazy now because I'm like, I thought that was interesting and she's like oh yeah and i'm like oh i'm a weirdo um i read something on facebook but basically it was like tentative studies not like in-depth studies saying that they think the place in your brain where you have like existential angst like mental anguish Mm -hmm. is located in the same section that processes like actual physical pain Okay. And that's the part of the brain that Tylenol works on. Like, that's how Tylenol works. It addresses that part of the brain. Okay. Um, Not the physical point of pain. Right. So it stands to reason that if you're in mental anguish, Tylenol could help address your mental anguish because it's in the same part of the brain as physical pain. Really? Yeah, that's the tentative, like... But does theory. anyone anecdotally report that? Like, is there a reason? I don't to think know that most that? people would take Tylenol for that kind of pain. So now, I mean, I don't know if they're actively doing studies or not. But the next time yeah. I feel shitty, I'm gonna take Tylenol and see what happens. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting and weird idea. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it. I never yeah. thought about the idea that, like, uh, of course I did. <laughs> I was going to say, never thought about the idea that you could, like, take a pill for a sad. <laughs> like, yeah, you did. Yeah, but you not, I know I know what you're saying. Like, the, yeah. the same pill you would take for a physical <clears throat> problem. Right. Like, uh, like uh, yeah, that, like, acts, like, almost like, like, uh, that immediate quick release action kind of yeah. thing. That's not usually so, the way we associate with dealing with mental yeah. anguish. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I might like to play a game. Would you like to play that game that we always play? 
I would like to play that game we always play. That awesome game that 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 trailblazing game that has never been imitated or done before. You know what is it called again? Uh, Truism News. That's it. You mean to tell me why you wouldn't happen to me? It's time for truth and food. Everyone's playing, everyone's playing a famous game, famous game, the game that's taking the internet by storm. A Merv Griffin production. All right. All right. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Uh, so, yeah, let's play Truzen for News. Truzen for News. I have for you two true. Two, two, two. Is that what you have for I me? I don't. I have two <laughs> false stories, one true story. It's your job to determine which of the stories is the truths and which of the part of the stories is the news. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Number one, a reported, quote, bazillion, end quote, calls placed to people from a Hawaiian animal hospital are successfully traced to a gecko dancing all over the phone. Okay. <laughs> Two, uh, the new record for the world's biggest cookie, which was being undertaken in Spokane, Washington, falls apart when volunteers begin eating the cookie before Guinness officials could officially verify the results. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, And number three, McDonald's Indianapolis Test Kitchen has begun serving their strangest item yet, an escargot burger served with farm-raised snails in a butter-garlic sauce. Okay. Recap, please. Okay, here we go again. Number one, a reported bazillion calls placed to people from a Hawaiian animal hospital are successfully traced to a gecko dancing all over the phone. Number two, the new record for the world's biggest cookie, which was being undertaken in Spokane, Washington, falls apart when volunteers begin eating the cookie before Guinness officials could officially verify the results. Three. McDonald's' Indianapolis Test Kitchen has begun serving their strangest item yet, an escargot burger served with farm-raised snails in a butter-garlic sauce. Okay. Let me tell you how I have these written down. Okay. <laughs> Number one, Hawaiian Animal Hospital calls by Gecko. Mm-hmm. Number two is Big Cookie Dreams thwarted. <laughs> Big Cookie Dreams <laughs> <laughs> Number three is McDonald's Test Kitchen Escargot. That wasn't exciting. Big cookie dreams. I just love the way that sounds. Yeah, me too. So I'm going to roll out number three because I don't think that's the weirdest thing McDonald's has served. When you consider McDonald's all over the world, <laughs> okay. they serve some pretty weird shit. Weird okay. to us. Okay. Um, so I'm going to roll that one out. Might be wrong there. Who knows? I am torn between... Animal Hospital Calls by Gecko and Big Cookie Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the words Big Cookie Dreams. Yeah. I'm going to, I don't know why, but I'm going to go with number one, that a gecko pranked a bunch of people. Okay. You got it. I did. You got oh, it. Oh, I'm so excited. This actually happened recently. Uh, in a, uh, this, so there's this uh, animal hospital on the western end of uh, the Big Island, Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 
<clears throat> I can't remember. I think they're they're mostly dedicated to like the treatment of like a local kind of seal. That's like their big thing. Mm-hmm. So this woman started getting calls from there like one day, and uh, this was in like the last um, month. And she started getting calls, and she would pick up, and no one was there, and hang up. She get a call again, and it just was like over and over. Is the lady also from Hawaii? Yeah. Oh. Well, the thing is, she's someone that had received, like, she knows the number because she had been in contact with them oh, before. Oh, okay. So it was hitting, like, speed dial or something. Yeah, basically, it was going through and calling everyone in the history, like, the recent history, over and over and over again. And there's a picture of it, too, just kind of perched on this little kind is of it, touch screen. Is it like a pet gecko of someone's or nope. just like a wild gecko just that a was random just gecko. hanging out? Uh, random gecko hops on the phone, starts making a bunch of calls to people. I love this. Uh, the, uh, the, the hospital employee that, uh, tweeted it out, uh, was like just it all in caps about his little feetsies. It's it all over the phone. Um, but apparently he made a lot of calls. That's so funny. <laughs> and some people thought it was emergency. They were like concerned to like try to get a hold of somebody. There's yeah. Cause it's like, especially if your pet is currently at the animal hospital, you're probably like. Um, what's going on? Yeah. This is a gecko prank calling it's you. It's very weird to think of a gecko <laughs> just being like tap 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 tap. Naturally, about half of Twitter lit up saying that he was trying to offer people cheaper car insurance. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> oh man, that's the only explanation. <clears throat> so that actually happened, and it also sent me looking on uh, maps of Hawaii for like a long time. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time looking at maps. Yeah. Just like, look at this place. And then go over to Google Flights and see how much it would cost to go there. Wait. But they don't love you like I love you. Wait. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. It's the AIS, the song Maps. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. My <laughs> high school me just came to say hi. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that really happened. And I like that story. That's a really good story. Yeah, I'm just really happy. Well, little gecko dancing all over the phone. Yeah. Like, I figure he must have been fairly active to, like, keep calling people. Or maybe it's, he was just because he's on the touch surface. Did he, like, was this across multiple days? Like, did he keep coming back or was it just one day he made a like, bunch of calls? It was, like, within a day. Because, like, they, oh, okay. they had to, they eventually got people incoming being like, hey, you guys, are, why are you calling me? Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, you got it. Congratulations. Yay. Also, it. my brief mention of Karen O was partly from the yeah, 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 yeah. So it's partly because uh, I don't know why, but I like did some research on her recently. Like I was like, I wonder what she's up to. And I looked her up and like read an article about her and like watched some old videos of them and just really interesting person. Mm-hmm. And just good musician. Yeah. Yeah, just so she's just been on my mind lately. <laughs> I never listened to the Yeah Yeah Yeahs like once. I went to see them live in high school with Mike. Yeah, and it was a really good show. I take that. Yeah, I never ended up listening to them. We should listen to them sometime. I do think you would like them. Probably, I do think it's it, up your alley. And she has a style kind of similar to like PJ Harvey in. Just some female musicians of the time. Okay. And she's she's been known for, like, her her style as well and just as a trailblazer I got you. for women in the music industry. Like, so many people think so highly of her. 
And in the article that I read, it was like she like back in the day would talk about like who who inspired her and like the the other musicians that were like kind of her counterparts at the time that she really like respected highly. They all wanted to be her. Yeah. Like they all wanted it's like people like the strokes and stuff are like, no, like I want to be Karen out. Like she's super cool. The uh the that that new that new uh released uh the nineties series on uh Netflix that CNN did. They do these like decade documentary series. Mm-hmm. They just dropped the one on the nineties. And their music episode had the uh, like dedicated a large amount of time to like the emergence of a lot of female acts in the nineties mm-hmm. that was very interesting to me. Yeah. Um I think nineties was a a good time for women in music. <clears throat> It was a good time for everyone in music, but in the yeah. cup ran over, and it was a great time for women in music. Yeah, it was a great time for everybody. Um, I I would actually really recommend people watch that because I thought it was a really good documentary. Yeah, we should watch it. Yeah. I would watch it. I watched it all. I'll watch it again. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. Do you do you have a little middle saggy? <clears throat> I do. Um, and I was kind of leading into it and sort of you know because like I said, I've been spending a lot of time looking at maps. Oh, like, sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time looking at maps and mm-hmm. then like like I said, going over to Google Flights and figuring out how expensive it is to get to that place. I think there's like a wanderlust thing going on with me. I think this summer I think kinda, you always have a wanderlust thing going on. A little bit. And like this summer was a big one, obviously, uh going out west and all that. And like I just kinda I, I every time I travel anywhere, I'm reminded of how much I love doing that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I thought for this middle segment, it might be nice. And this probably won't be a very long middle segment. Mm-hmm. But I thought it might be nice to talk about or start thinking about some of the real life goose chases that we could do either this or next year. Um, And I don't really know exactly what they might be, but I feel like it would be really cool to reach out to our listeners here mm-hmm. and see if you guys have any suggestions for some things that we could go and investigate in person. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe even like check out some things we've talked about. Yeah. Like right. we talked about seeing the the spook light. Yeah, the spook light would be one thing. Um it's kinda, it's kinda far, but not impossibly far. I've also always wanted to go to Alaska. I just want to go to Alaska. Oh, I don't know what I'd God. do there, but let's go to Alaska. No, me me too. We just walk around with a bear bell on and just hike and I mean that would be that would be an amazing experience. Yeah. Um but yeah, I thought also like like, here's the thing, for example, there is a ton of spooky, haunted-type stuff in Ohio. Yeah, that's a good idea. I was actually just thinking of putting on our list, if it isn't there already, like, most haunted places in Ohio. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, like, we, we take a skeptical approach, but I can imagine having my pants scared off of me just about anywhere. Here's the thing. You are not good with jump scares. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> since, since there are no ghosts, the jump scares thing will not be a problem. Because they're not going to jump out at me. Well, because they we, we definitely exist. won't be doing haunted house, like uh, Halloween haunted houses for oh, sure. <laughs> hell no. Hell no. The, one of the last times I went to a haunted house, I remember holding on to the hoodie of some very small girl in front of me. Was this someone you knew? Nope. Stranger. <laughs> Aww. I was so, and her and her boyfriend were looking at me and laughing. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm sorry. No. I can't. And then I was having this thing where I'm like trying to smile. I'm like, <laughs> but like my face is twitching out of control because I can't <laughs> hold the smile because I'm so scared. So I'm going like, 
<laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, I'm um, so sorry. That hurts my heart. <laughs> I get really scared of those things. I can do haunted houses. I just don't prefer to. <clears throat> yeah. Like, it just, it's fine. They're fine. That is so not my reaction to them. I don't know what it is, but everything feels real real to me. Yeah. Like, everything feels real to me, even though I know I'm in a haunted house. When I was a little kid, my dad was taking my brothers to a haunted hayround, hayround, haunted hayride at Campfield Fair. Yeah. And, um, that scares me too. My mom was like, you cannot take Chrissy. Like, I was like, I want to go. Cause I, I wanted to be where my brothers were going. Like I didn't want, I had FOMO. When I, was, yeah. when I was a little kid, I didn't want to miss out on anything. It was the baby, and I was like, nah, I'm tough. I can do it. I was like five or something. Like, I was way too little to do this. Uh-huh. But my dad's like, no, she says she'll be fine. She's fine. My mom was like, when she's waking up with nightmares, <laughs> I'm waking you up. Right. Like, if you insist on doing this. So um, I went. I remember standing in line. There was, like, a guy with a chainsaw, like, Oh, yeah, like dragging it on the concrete kind of thing. And like cutting between people in line with yeah. his chainsaw. It didn't have a chain on it. Yeah. But it's still like on and loud and I'm a little kid. So that kind of freaks me out. Yeah. And then I remember like on the hayride, like a dude with like a really boogery face, like had like, it was a mask, but okay. had like bumps all over his face. And I thought right. they looked like boogers and it was gross. Boogery and, face. Yeah. And then like, it's just like people reaching up <laughs> into the hair. That's old booger face. Everyone That's knows. That's old, old booger it's face. It's like leather face. Kind of, booger it's, McGee. It's booger face. Where's so. Made of boogers. <laughs> it's, those are like the things that stand out to me, which is like not scary. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> but I was scared as a kid and I did have nightmares. <laughs> you know what the weirdest thing I ever experienced at the fairgrounds was? It wasn't even part of any of the intended stuff, but it was like like in that uh, sort of eastmost area of the park where you or, or of the campgrounds where you park when you come in. Mm-hmm. And there's a big barn out there that is kind of like one of the middle parts of the hayride. Yeah, I remember passing by some barns <clears throat> and stuff and, like, seeing shadows and stuff in them. Yeah. So I remember parking there and getting out, and there's this, like, clown person that has gone pretty far away from the barn where they're obviously supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, like a, like a teenage kid, you know, sort of dressed <laughs> up as a clown. Yeah, the people who work at those things. But he's doing this weird, like, little infant kind of, like, he's, like, infantilized, like, little tiny voice and, like, being cute and weird. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this creeps me out more than everything else. It's just this guy is just out here while I'm getting in and out of my car. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, it was really. It, he was like trying to like engage in small kid like conversation mm. and like entertaining himself. And I was Ugh, like, don't like that. And I was like, you're freaking me the fuck out. Yeah, don't like that. That's funny. That's I remember that the most. <laughs> you were like visibly distressed thinking about that. <laughs> oh, creepy stuff. Anyway, creepy stuff. Screepy. I combine scary and creepy. But yeah, so if if there's things that people listening to this would like us to go and check out, I, I mean, I would like to sort of evaluate a list of them and like maybe pick one or two things. Yeah, and if it's like more local or something, we can do. Yeah, you know, pretty close. That, that's even better. But right. And it doesn't have to be like haunted places, like anything interested. Yeah, interesting. Really. God, my brain. 
but but yeah, no. <laughs> if if there's something that someone wants us to check out for them, I think it'd be kind of cool to do it. So yeah. So yeah, like send us idea. your suggestions. Uh, we, we 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 could put together a list ourselves, but send us your suggestions if yeah, there's something I that want you're really curious. People about. to tell us. I I know a couple things we've kind of been wanting to do. They aren't necessarily things to like investigate, but places I've been interested in going mm-hmm. are there's um a place in Ohio where you could stay and like they have like treehouse hotel rooms basically that are really gorgeous. Yeah, I think those are really cool. And then um there's a place that in that. Honey Run, is that what yeah. it's called? And they have these little like hobbit hole type. You haven't stopped rooms. thinking about it since I since I no. told you about it. No. And <laughs> I never will. And we just talked to someone recently, I forget who, who was who went there. Yeah. And I was like, ugh, I wanna go. And they have like they also have like it's called Honey Run. They have like an apiary in like Yeah. Like, I actually, love bees. They actually so do like, make honey there. Yeah, super cool to me. Yeah, I'm, I just want to go be a gnome in that little hobbit hole thing and I'm just sure. like eat honey and <laughs> see some bees. Just picture us sitting on a little hobbit porch as the sun goes down, eating spoonfuls of honey. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah, or at least those little Let's sticks, a little honey. Sticks. I like the honey sticks. Yeah, yeah. it's just a little bit of honey. <laughs> you don't. You don't need a whole jar of honey. I mean, you might want to <laughs> pass out immediately. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, that's about that. If you have some ideas, let us know. Uh, for now, we're going to take a little break. A little break, break. And we'll come back with the main segment for this episode. All right. All right. Stick around. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. We're Do you want to introduce the topic? Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this is one I just don't know that much about at all, but I know that it was on our list. I know it's called. I put it there. Yeah. I put it on the list. It's called Randyland. <laughs> I know that it is a Pittsburgh yes. attraction. <laughs> it's basically a guy. His name is Randy. Uh, has, you, a, has a house. That's it. That's the whole topic. And that house <laughs> is called Randy Land, and he invites people to come and visit Randy Land, and it's a pretty house, and he's an interesting guy. That's all I know. Yeah. But I know you know about Randy Land, so I yes. wanted you to tell me all about it. So I didn't think, and I believe I was correct, that Randy Land would be enough of a topic on its own. So right. I added another similar thing on, and I'm calling this topic together passion projects because that's exactly what both of these are they're similar and very different at the same time and i'm just really excited to talk about them (laughs) um so starting with randy land Mm -hmm. and that famous randy fella yeah i usually like to start with info about the person behind the topic because i think it really informs everything else but in this case i think knowing what randy land is tells you a lot about the kind of person that randy is oh so i want to talk about what it is so i'm gonna start there but first 
I'll describe it as best I can, but really just look at pictures of it. Yeah. And then if you can, like I know we have friends in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like if you can go visit it, because that would be like so cool. I would really like to go there sometime. Yeah, me too. Um basically it's a museum slash exhibit. You can call it any number of things on Pittsburgh's north side. The address is fifteen oh one Arch Street. Uh it's free admission. It's literally his house. He uses the first floor of his house as like his studio, but they actually live there and the outside is all like open to the public and you can just go, they have kind of like hours of operation, but, and he had mentioned in an interview I listened to, which I'll talk about later, um, that they try to close for the winter, but people kind of don't let them because like they'll show up and they'll be like, okay. Um, That's well, nice that they're accommodating. You yeah. Know, even though they don't kind of want to be over the winter. Basically it's colorfully painted. Um, and that's like putting it lightly. Yeah. Um, there are murals. He uses upcycled materials. There's a welcome wall with a bunch of like signs and stuff on it. There's, a wall of a bunch of mirrors. I keep bumping this today. Stop bumping that thing. I'm just gesturing wildly again. <laughs> um, just look at pictures. Like nothing I say is going to describe it properly. It's yeah. just like so bright and inviting and exciting and just really, really cool. It's the kind of place you would see a picture of and go like, okay, why? Like how did that start? How yeah. did this happen? Especially in a place like Northside, Pittsburgh. Um, so after that brief, just brief description of it. Oh, I wrote it's original, exuberant, joyous, whimsical and meant for everybody. That's that's nice. that's what I think of Randy Land. And that's what I think Randy Gilson wants it to be. Okay. Um, so he is the Randy behind Randy Land. <laughs> I knew there was some Randy involved. And and I wrote it towards the end here, but I do want to give it a shout out up top. I got a lot of this information, of course, like Wikipedia and the Randy Land website. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it I got from a podcast called Chillin' with Deke. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he is local to Pittsburgh. It seems like he does cover a lot of Pittsburgh topics. And okay. he said he went to Randy Land multiple times hoping to run into Randy and then finally eventually did and then went back there, scheduled a time, and he went back to Randy Land and sat there in the little courtyard thing and had this interview with Randy Gilk. Okay. And a lot of the personal details about his childhood and stuff, like it's hard to find that anywhere else. I was able to listen to this hour-long podcast and get so much information about who – Randy Gilk is as a person from his own words, which was like really valuable. And I feel like I know him a lot more and definitely more than I would have if um, Chilling with Deke hadn't done that podcast. Also, I might listen to more of his podcasts. He basically does interviews, but it seems like in, in a similar vein to us, he's a person who wants to learn from other people. Okay. And... And just a curious person. And so he like seeks out individuals who do stuff like this and all kinds of things and and tries to like gain knowledge from them and apply it to his own life, which I think is valuable. So that's cool. Chillin' with Deke. Chillin' with Deke. I kind of want to check that out too. Yeah. 
he he seems like a good guy. Like he's just trying to learn from people, and I I think that's really cool. And I think ultimately one of the things we enjoy doing. So yeah, right. Shout out to him. Um. So he was Randy Gilson. I'm sorry, he said Randy Gilk. That's someone else. Randy Gilson. <laughs> okay. uh, was born in Titusville, PA, which is um kind of rural, and it's uh. Mostly north, but a little northeast of Pittsburgh. Okay. He was born to two ministers. He was the oldest of six kids. Um, in his own words, his dad went terrible sour. Oh, wow. Um, turned to alcoholism and abuse. Oh, just my God. A very bad situation. So his mom left with the kids and moved to Homestead, which is a borough in Pittsburgh. And pretty infamously not the best place. I'm like driven through homestead before and it's the kind of place people are like yeah like you got to be careful when you're driving through especially if you're coming through alone like it's kind of a not the best neighborhood um definitely more diverse than titusville and i need to arrange my notes so i can actually read them here okay uh his mom had to fight to have her kids allowed into the public school because uh, Randy Olson and his siblings, they're white. Okay. And this is not not the town as a whole isn't necessarily the borough as a whole isn't necessarily predominantly black, but the school, the public school definitely was because um the parents in that area who could afford to put their kids into Catholics, private Catholic schools. Oh, and the okay. way that things Worked out, unfortunately, especially at the time, is that a lot of black parents couldn't afford to put their kids into private schools. And so they went to the public schools and there just weren't that many white kids in the public schools. The principal kind of fought their mom and was like, this is not the school for your kids. And um, that seems weird to me. It's like, yeah, yeah, and this is all I will say this is all coming from Randy. Like this is as he tells it. And basically, she's like, you know, it's a public school, and I can't afford to put my kids in private school. This is where my kids are going to go to school. And he says that he really liked going to school there, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that he didn't like school. But it also was like he also said later, like, this was a very difficult time for him. Yeah. Um, When they originally moved to Homestead, he watched a lot of, like, TV shows, like, country western TV shows. He knew they were moving to Homestead. So in his head, he's like, moving to, like, a farm. This is going to be great. Yeah, it does sound exciting, doesn't it? It was very different than he thought it was going to be. And although, in retrospect, he says he had, he really enjoyed his education there and the fact that he was, he met people that were different than Mm -hmm. other people he'd ever met. Yeah. It was valuable later on. I think it was really tough. He felt very lonely. And as the oldest kid, you know, just like alienated, like Mm -hmm. because he was the one that had to be the one, you know. Yeah. And probably grow up a little fast, especially since his mom was a single mom. Yeah. Um, Being the oldest of those kids, you definitely take on. A kind of responsibility. Yeah. And they like they didn't have money, you know, like. Yeah. That's a really hard thing for kids. He had a difficult 
that had to be a difficult transition for yeah. anybody. I mean, I, I kind of, I feel like when, when, you know, like that's, that's sort of how I felt when my folks split up as I was the oldest kid. And like, I felt like some weird responsibility that probably, yeah. you don't get to be upset about it. You have to like show everyone it's okay, which yeah. is, is very tough. And I don't think they put that on me, but I think it's just you know, a weird role you slip into. Yeah. You know, I think it's a natural kind of headspace. Yeah. As the oldest kid. Yeah. Um, it says, a baby of the family. <laughs> Around when he was nine years old, he started suffering from depression. Like I said, he was having trouble adjusting. He felt very lonely and he was considering suicide. Um, and then the day he basically decided he was going to do it, but he was like, going to do it tomorrow. Um, he caught himself in the mirror after he like kind of made this decision, like he just saw him, his face in the mirror and he stopped yeah. and he like looked at himself and realized like, I'm not alone. I always have me. Like I will always have me. And so from that point on, whenever he was going through anything, he would look in a mirror and like confront himself and be like, okay, like what are we doing? Like calm himself down. It was just like That's something. Yeah. Something that helped him out of that. Um, and I talked about his wall of mirrors. Yeah. That's one of the reasons for the mirror. It's something he, like, tells people is, like, you're having a moment just like you always have you. Like, mm -hmm. look in the mirror, just almost like a, a come to Jesus talk with yourself <laughs> of, like, yeah. just, like, stop what you're doing and confront the moment a little bit. Well, like, Ground yourself. Have you ever Reassure done yourself you're real. Have you ever done that? Like talk to yourself in the mirror? Yeah. Because I have. And like it's a it is a weird experience. Like it, it you know it's your own reflection, but it feels like it feels I guess it feels a little crazy, but it also feels like like real. Like there's another person there. <laughs> there's I mean, something to it. There's something that we talk about a lot when we talk about anxiety, which is like things you can do to ground yourself. And I feel that's kind of what that is. It's like a way to reinforce yourself that you're real yeah. and that you exist and yeah. that like yeah. just take a moment and and realize where you are. Yeah. Just notice that your face exists in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> I just I thought that was like very sad, but very yeah. interesting that he gained something from that and carried it with him yeah. all this time. Um, so he he had a real tough time in school did not like it. Uh, he was held back several times, just wasn't great at book learning. He later realized he had ADHD, which was part of that. Uh, skipped classes. Um, but he did say he was common sense smart. He was wise, like fellow students. Sometimes, according to him, sometimes administration would come to him for advice about situations. And eventually they were like, hey, like, we know you're not really passing your classes, but we're going to push you through. Like, we think you're going to be fine. You have enough, like, street smarts to figure your shit out. And, like, you can't stay here forever. We can't keep you in high school forever. Right. So it's either fail you or just push you through. Yeah. So he graduated. Um, and after graduation, he was afraid that if he stayed in Homestead, he would fall into depression and potentially get wrapped up in drugs and gangs. Because... That was prevalent in the area, and he just he saw it happening around him. A lot of his friends had left, and he was like, "That's if I stay here, that's yeah. what's going to happen." So he moved to Pittsburgh's north side. 
And despite the fact that he hated school, he went to CCAC, which is the Community College of Allegheny County. I've known people who went there. Yeah. Um, and he he mostly went because his mom was on wel- welfare, and there was a program that if he entered continuing education, she would get money. Okay. So probably to assist with like the education and stuff, but she would get additional funds. And so he didn't know what he wanted to do. So he did that for her. And he had to take some elective courses as you do. And he took philosophy and was like, Oh wait, like this is cool. Like this is what I've been trying to do. Like just look at life and learn things and, and maybe I'm kind of a philosopher kind of a thing. Like, okay, like this makes sense. So It's, it's funny because I feel like public school on some level kind of tries to prepare you for all those different disciplines that you might be interested in. But I feel like none of it sets until you're out of high school. Yeah. Well, that's the point where your brain becomes really receptive to like stuff like that. And I think depending on the school, like some yeah, schools just on the aren't, aren't really great at preparing you for real life stuff, yeah. you know? Right. Um, They try. It's not for lack of trying a lot of times, but I don't know how successful. I still think school is like most schools are set up for like, like sort of like the like industrial, uh, like, like the industrial path of like go out there and then build something in a factory. Like, I don't feel like schools are really set up for. I I think the the path I took in school was trying to prepare me for college. And I think in some ways, like, academically it did. Yeah. But it didn't teach me what the real world was going to be. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Um, Which I think would be valuable. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And I just remember hearing all this talk of, like, well, once you get out in the real world, it's like, okay, well, you're just really going to baby bird me and throw me out of the nest and not actually do anything to prepare me for it? (laughs) You're going to warn me about it, but you're not going to, like, do anything to sit me down and be like, hey, you need to know how to do your taxes and how to manage your money and Mm -hmm. what student loans actually are going to do to you and, like, all of this stuff. Yeah, there's, there's some things that school can't prepare you for and some things that it doesn't and should. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he he took several philosophy classes and he really loved them. And he eventually he decided not to major in it and he decided not to continue taking more classes. And um, his professor was like, oh, why aren't you going to join us in the next class? And he's like, I don't want to hurt the professor's feelings. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Right. But he basically told them, like, I. I don't want to focus too narrowly on one thing because I see you who's like a master of this topic and knows all about this thing. And you have such a hard time making decisions, just easy decisions, because you're debating every possible angle. (laughs) That is kind of like the natural end game of philosophy. Yeah. And again, all of this is like from him. So who knows like how accurate a lot of the stories are, but they're good stories. Yeah, like it's, right. It's so interesting to hear. So basically, and the philosophy, the philosophy professor was like, you know, no one's ever told me that before, but I think you're right. Yeah. And so Randy decided for himself that he thought it was better to have balance than to focus too narrowly on one thing. It okay. was better to be the kind of person who knows about a lot of different things. I can um, get behind that. Which I, I think, I don't think it's necessarily bad to be a person who knows a lot about one or two things. I just think there are different kinds of people. 
And I am a person who's like a dabbler and I like to know a lot about or a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. Enough that I can like use the skill when I need to and learn more of it as I have to. Yeah. And can always strike up a conversation in a quiet room. Yeah. Because I think that that really helps. Mm. Like here's here's 10 quick facts about the Hindenburg. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. Just I'm that's really, a bad example. I'm, I'm a cracked article <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah. Here's Any seven of history's silliest inventions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So before he started Randyland, he was already a community activist. He did what you could call guerrilla gardening in like vacant lots. So like, like places that. he looked around and thought were ugly and overgrown and not being used. He put gardens that's sweet. Um, so he says he had str- 800 street gardens, 50 vegetable gardens, um, a lot of these along the Manchester and Mexican War Street areas and surrounding neighborhoods, which mm-hmm. are like not great areas of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's okay. north side is one of those areas that um, I've had friends that live there and it has pockets mm-hmm. and there are a lot of really great there are museums up there and stuff. It's really great areas mm-hmm. and then you have areas that are like the mexican war streets and stuff that are that are known for like being high crime areas and in neighborhoods a lot of people would be uncomfortable in. it's kind of weird and that's youngstown's north side always gets a reputation for being the same way yeah where it's like that's like it's always a side it's, there's always a side that has the reputation yeah but like we have like you know like a historic kind of area up there we have all these crazy beautiful old homes and then you also have like all these like streets people don't go to like yeah like all on the north side for some reason yeah i think there's a lot of places in youngstown like that and i think a lot of it just comes from any area that used to be well populated and then mm-hmm. isn't and economic blight and like several things that influence it. But sure. there's any number of reasons of how a bad area becomes a bad area. Yeah. So whatever the reason was in the case of the North side at the time he moved there, I think it still wasn't a great area. And so this was his personal way of improving it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah. Just really cool. Random acts of gardening. Yeah. <laughs> So in 1995, he sees this lot and he decides he wants it. And he goes to the bank and he talks to them and he he doesn't have any money. He has a credit card and they're like, give us your credit card. Come back tomorrow. We're going to figure something out. So they're like, you know, can't give you a loan. You don't have credit, but you do have this credit card. And I talked to your bank and I got them to increase your limit to $10,000. So... If you can put a bid in on the place and get it for $10,000, you could put it on your card and you'll have to pay it off, but you can do it. Wow. And there are other people who had bids in on the place, but they, whoever was in charge of deciding who got the property was actually I don't know, kind of being thorough and looking at what they're going to bring to it, who they are. And his reputation had preceded him. They're like, are you... That feller doing the gardening? <laughs> are are <laughs> no you kidding. this community activist person? And he's like, yeah, that's me. And they're like, okay. So they give it to him. That's cool. Um, so 1995, he bought this place on a credit card for $10,000. And this is a three-story home. And it's like a couple of lots together and like the outdoor portion of the lot. Yeah. 
Um, so he, he also knew the neighborhood was going to be changing, that more people were moving into the area. And there were some people who were pushing for things to remain historically accurate and things like that. So he was like, you know, I have, I have to act fast. Like if I yeah. want to do something big with this and I want to achieve my dream, I have to jump first. So he bought what he calls oopsie paint, um, which is like people who get custom paint colors mixed and then decide they don't want them. Yeah, yeah. For like $2, $3 a gallon. He bought a bunch of that. And he upcycled things he got from dumpster diving and stuff like that. Um, One story I didn't tell before, but back to this idea of being like, the oldest kid who has to like pull stuff together. Yeah. After they moved to Homestead, it was like Christmas time and it was like not going to be a good Christmas. Like they were getting some stuff, but it was like essential stuff like yeah. socks and underwear, like yeah, yeah, yeah. not stuff kids really want stuff. You appreciate when you're older, but not when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. And he started seeing like toys and stuff out in people's garbage and was like, you know, they don't want it. It's still usable. And yeah. so he like started dumpster diving when he was a kid and got toys for him and his siblings and like made Christmas. It made it his personal job to like be Santa's helper and that, like, make a Christmas. Me up a little bit. Yeah. Sweet. Very sweet. Yeah. So he continued that throughout his life, that dumpster diving thing of like, what can I do? And he has like an inner system. It's not like he just grabs everything. He looks at a thing and goes, can I make something of this? Like, yeah. Is this usable? And if the answer is yes and he has an idea of what he can do with it, he'll take it. Right. And a lot of Randy Land is from garbage. Yeah. It's upcycled material. Yeah. And he mentions that a lot of people call him an artist. And when you look up articles about Randy Land, they'll say local artist. He's not trained in art. He doesn't consider himself an artist. He considers himself a junk man. Right. I could kind of I I could see the distinction in his head yeah. where like like this is I'm not doing this to be an artist I'm just make I'm making, making stuff making something and but if you look at Randy Lynn I mean it is art it is beautiful like it's well done yeah. it's not he definitely has a talent that maybe he doesn't always acknowledge but it's there yeah like he doesn't he, he didn't maybe see it as as that thing yeah but it's like unmistakable to other people that what he's doing is art yeah so i mentioned he doesn't charge for randy land he makes his money as a waiter so <clears throat> since 1995 basically he's been paying off that credit card as a waiter he mentioned he makes like maybe twenty five thousand a year really like he, he doesn't ask for money for randy land yeah um they're not a nonprofit yet um though they're working towards it uh, in 2016, fans of Randy Land actually got a chance to give back to this man who's given so much to his neighborhood. Well, that's um, nice. His partner, Mac, of over 20 years, who Randy says helped with Randy Land, although it was kind of like the silent partner in the deal. He's a lot more shy. He's not the boisterous one yeah. talking to people. He's often there. I mean, they live there, but he'll be there. And if someone talks to him, he'll just say, oh, no, no, I'm the gardener. Um, I like that. No, I'm the gardener. But in 2016, he was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer. And they wanted to go on their first and possibly last vacation together to the Grand Canyon and to California. 
and they asked for $10,000 via crowdfunding. So they asked basically for the price of Randyland to go on a trip together, and they got $20,000. So the last thing I could gather about what happened with Mac was that he was in remission. So I couldn't see anything after that. Okay. But I did see an article that he was in remission, so I'm I'm hoping that he still is. Yeah, me too. I just like I've just been sitting here just like oh. I know. This this man's life has been like ups and downs, just like everybody's, but when someone seems like such a great person, it yeah. sucks to like hear bad things happen to them. Yeah. Um he is considering retirement. He wants to make Randy Land a nonprofit so it can be maintained as kind of a museum and actually accept donations to like make the kind of structural improvements to the house that need to be made to convert it into a museum eventually. Um, he's mentioned Randy Land is mentioned in many viral listicles. If you like are looking for things to do in Pittsburgh, if you just search for like things to do in Pittsburgh, yeah. that comes up. Listicle. I know you hate that word. I sure do. <laughs> He's been featured in multiple documentaries. One is The Spirit of Pittsburgh. Another one is Pursuing Happiness, where they, they call Randy Gilson one of the happiest men in, in the world. Um, he was also mentioned by Anthony Bourdain in Parts Unknown. Oh, really? And Randy Land was mentioned as an essential for a perfect day in Pittsburgh. And yeah. I think that's a good enough reason to go visit. Yeah, man, I wish Anthony Bourdain had actually gone. That'd be a cool thing to see. He he might have. Okay, he said he was mentioned. I didn't think he went. I'd like to think he went. He mentioned on parts on unknown that it's an essential for a perfect day in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm assuming he's actually gone there. Uh, Yeah, just maybe not on the show is what I mean. Uh, I don't know. I guess we We should look it up. We can look and see. He might. I'd like to see if that's something you can see. But Um, At this point, I... I wrote about how I got a lot of this information from Chilling with Deke. Yeah. He basically, he would chime in every now and then and ask Randy, like, a question, but mostly just let him tell a story and let him talk. Just um, let Randy be Randy. Just let Randy be Randy, which I think is good advice. Yeah. And Because uh, he's doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing pretty good. I would love to see this. I think we should go next and, time and we're in it's Pittsburgh. It's not far away. It's not. Um, I just... And there was so much to like about him. He's a character. Yeah. And ad- admittedly, like he says himself, he's a weirdo. And I think that's true. But I think also something else he said is true is that being a weirdo isn't bad anymore. Being eccentric isn't bad anymore. Being yeah. unique isn't bad anymore. It's cool. Yeah. And if you can like find your thing and embrace that and like have a passion, that's really good. Yeah. I just out. Really inspired by him as a person. <laughs> I, I think he's a good dude, and I think he's done something really neat. I think so, too. And uh, one thing that I think is a connection between this and our, my next little topic is that he wanted to bring joy to an area that maybe didn't have enough of it and mm-hmm. make it a place that was a destination in some way or make it a place that people wanted to go, that people weren't afraid to walk around in a little bit. Yeah. And that was part of the inspiration behind the next project, which is um, Detroit's Heidelberg Project. Yeah. I'm glad you looked into this. I mentioned this, I think, to you at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I told you I didn't think Randy Land would be enough, and I had 
an idea for what else to do, and you mentioned this. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up. Similar in some ways, also very different. Yeah, I also don't know that much about this. So the Heidelberg Project is in the McDougal Hunt neighborhood of the east side of Detroit, uh, north of the Black Bottom area. And in 1986, Tyree Guyton had returned to his childhood neighborhood in Detroit after spending time in the Army, and he was disappointed and shocked to see his neighborhood looked like a bomb went off. Mm-hmm. Like There were riots in the 60s, um, late 60s, and just things had gone downhill in his neighborhood. And he was honestly, I think he was mad about it, which rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing you can't live through and not be a little bit pissed off. Yeah, so his grandpa looked at him and was like, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like, you're mad and you're complaining. What are you going to do about it? So with his grandpa, Sam, and his uh, wife at the time, Karen, they set out to turn the neighborhood into an art exhibit, a place people wouldn't be afraid to walk around. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw multiple descriptions that this is the kind of neighborhood people didn't walk around in the day. Yeah. So he wanted to change that. So he founded the Heidelberg Project with his wife, Karen, and his grandpa, Sam. And with the help of neighborhood kids, they turned uh, several houses in the neighborhood. They, like, brightly painted them. They used found object art, much like Randy. Um, They incorporated streets and sidewalks into the design. Some of the houses have themes Obviously, on a much bigger scale than Randy Land, it's not a single lot. This yeah. is a neighborhood. Yeah. That he's basically converting, like, houses over it into art projects. Um, And I kind of, I got a lot of this information from Wikipedia, but even more of it from the Heidelberg Project website. They have a timeline of everything that's happened, basically. So that was really useful. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So that was in 1986 when they started all this. In 1988, they won the Spirit of Detroit Award. Um, They started to garner media attention and recognition for their project in the late 80s. 1991, he was on Oprah Winfrey with um, Otilla Bell, who was a neighbor who opposed the project. Now, one of his houses, I think one of the first ones in like an infamous one, it's brightly colored like polka dot kind of things or maybe it's numbers i think it might be the number house it's like okay like big numbers super bright and there were some people who thought it was an eyesore like they didn't (laughs) want that in their neighborhood they didn't want his whereas like randy land is kind of like just bright and happy and obviously like bright and happy and this is bright too he didn't just mean this to be like, I'm going to bring some happiness to the neighborhood. This was a confrontation of oh. what the neighborhood had become and how he wanted it to change. Okay. Um, Mayor Coleman Young, uh, right after, like pretty soon after his appearance on Oprah Winfrey, ordered the demolition of three of the house installations. So they were demolished. Um And many of the houses were demolished over the years. In 1989, the baby doll house was demolished. Um, There was another one in 1991. He he was given 15 minutes to gather anything important from that house. 
and then 15, they demolished it. Yeah. 15 minutes? Yep, and that one wasn't named. Um, in 1993, Janine Whitfield joined the project as executive director. Um, I don't mention her too, too much. I mention her a little bit later on. Yeah. But from this point on, she's very important in this project and like bringing new life to it and, and continuing to find direction for it. Okay. Along with um, Tyree Geisen. In 1994, they have a street festival and they get their first of three copyrights. In 1996, they're commissioned to create a house in Minnesota. They do a photo exhibition of the Heidelberg Project in Europe. Um, they start art and education programs at the Bunch Elementary School. So this isn't just an art project in a neighborhood for him. This yeah. is much more. And I think from the beginning, he wanted it to be much more. He had more of a distinct vision than just what Randy Land is. Like this is, I want to emphasize, this is wider reaching Yeah, in so many ways. Um, 1997, they received the first substantial grant from the city of Detroit cultural affairs department for a cafe and welcoming center. Then some of the council members attempted to have, uh, the Heidelberg project demolished. Um, they opened their first office in the motor city blight busters headquarters. Um, 1998, their documentary, Come Unto Me, The Faces of Tyree Guyton, premiered. Oh, that's So that, cool. that's something I didn't get to watch, but I would like to see if yeah, I can find it. Yeah, I want to watch that. They then filed a restraining order and received a restraining order to prevent the demolition of the Heidelberg Project. I'm just going to call it HP from now on because it's <laughs> a little bit of a mouthful. Okay. 1999, the judge that issued that restraining order was not reelected, and the restraining order was not upheld after that. And immediately there were more demolitions, three more. Oh, my God. Um, those were... Uh, under the rule of Mayor Dennis Archer, and they were the Your World House, the Happy Feet House, and the Canfield House. You know what kills me about this is, like, I, I just don't understand the counterargument. Like, I don't understand. Now, this is all from their website, and even on Wikipedia, I didn't see anything that was saying, like, why anyone opposed it. Yeah, like, these are essentially vacant homes, right? Yeah. Well, well I think he's buying them. I'm, I'm assuming he's buying them. Maybe he's not. Maybe it's just <clears throat> vacant homes, and maybe that's why they, they're... Yeah, it can't be... He can't own them. I'm not entirely he, he, sure. The city can't just come in and wreck your house. That's true. <laughs> that's true. They probably were vacant homes. Right. Um, but it's like, it's a, it's a neighborhood that no one is buying in unless you make it something that people care about. It's something I will put a harder point on later, but there's a very tumultuous relationship between Detroit... And the Heidelberg Project. Yeah. Um, so in 2001, the, he did a house installation, open house for Detroit's 300th birthday. Uh -huh. He was commissioned by Detroit to do it. <laughs> um, you said he, 2007? 2001. 2001. Okay. So um, all right. He did an installation in Mount Vernon, New York. Uh, then Guyton and... Janine Whitfield married that year. Um, so he and his wife, Karen, had separated, had divorced at some point. Okay. That wasn't on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> but their marriage, uh, Janine Whitfield and Guyton's, was. Okay. Um, 
They are doing tours, exhibitions, commission projects, not just in the United States, but in Europe and stuff. Education, lectures. Um, I mean, this is a real business. Yeah, right. They, he has a book that comes out called Connecting the Dots, Tyree Guyton Teitelberg Project. That's one of the books I would like to add to our collection. Yeah. In 2013, uh, he and Whitfield were keynote speakers at a conference. I think it was named This Is Not Detroit, and it was in Germany. Um, that's true. That certainly isn't Detroit. not Detroit. <laughs> you, you nailed that. I don't know exactly what it was about, but I can only assume that it was a, a conference about, like, wanting to prevent places from getting to the place that Detroit had gotten to. Maybe, yeah. Um, in 2013, something really bad starts happening with the Heidelberg Project, which is arson. No way. Yes. Eight fires from May through December were set in Heidelberg Project um, installations. And that same year, they opened the Number House gift shop. In 2014, there were four more fires uh, that are struggling to hold the organization together. Um, to this day, they're unsolved. They don't know who was doing this or why. Um, 2015, they introduced his new. He introduced his new vision for the Heidelberg Project in honor of their 30 years, and they begin their 30-year documentary. Mm-hmm. In 2016, that is their 30-year anniversary. And they begin transforming the HP site for his new vision of the Heidelberg Project 3.0. Okay. So um, he then also uh, brought a campaign to renovate the numbers house. In 2017, they petition the city to acquire additional properties at the HP site. And um, they have a Detroit Live at Heidelberg block party, which brought more than 2,000 people. And they get 100K for renovations to the numbers house, and they start the, the, the renovations last year. Okay. Um, so when I said he, like, has this new vision, they're kind. it sounds like they're kind of taking apart some of the installations, and they're going to send pieces of them to museums and stuff. Okay. But they're going to do something new. Okay. Um, they're not ending the project, but it's just changing a little bit. I, don't, I just don't understand why the city has had this contentious relationship <laughs> with them. Like that is to me, the part about this that is just frustrating me is that so, I'm, I'm not understanding. This is basically how I wrapped it up because okay. this is, it applies. It is frustrating, so right? <laughs> where, yes, where Randy Gilson appears to be a force of uncontainable <sighs> joy and exuberance, despite the fact that he, you know, obviously has struggled a lot and he has struggled with depression and things like this. He mm-hmm. he adds to Randy Land kind of on a whim. He looks around and sees what he can find, and and that's his vision in the moment, and that's what he does. Yeah. Tyree Guyton was fueled by anger and frustration. Like, to yeah. me, what I get is, like, an angry dude, and maybe right, like, definitely rightfully so. Yeah. Disappointed, um, and with an emphasis on civil rights and wanting to make real change and having a very far-reaching view of what he wanted to do. Okay. Um, he's not afraid to be confrontational and fight for this project. And he has a very contentious relationship with Detroit. And yeah. in my head, I was always, like, reading all this stuff of, like, 
people wanting to get it demolished and all these things in my head. I'm just like, if Detroit hated me so much, hated my project so much, I would throw in the towel and be like, screw you. You don't want this. But that's the point. Yeah. The point was that Detroit needs this. I can see that. And he's doing it for his love of the city and love of his childhood home and for a place that really needs something. Yeah. Um, so despite the fact that bureaucracy didn't want it to happen or certain people didn't want it to happen, mm-hmm. or maybe they maybe they didn't like the way he went about it. Maybe they didn't like the way that's vacant houses and he didn't own them. Yeah. Whatever the reasoning being... He kept going and still did things for Detroit when Detroit asked him to. You know, he accepted many awards from them. He did commissions for them. Yeah. And with every new change of mayor, changes of judges, like, they they went with it. Yeah. They rolled with it and they're still going today. Yeah. Um, And they're going to be changing, but... It, it's a far more wider reaching project than Randy Land is. I'm fueled by very different things, but also have things in common, like wanting to bring something to a neighborhood that needs it. Right. Um, definitely more organized and run like a business. And I did want to mention that. So he has his book, Connecting the Dots. Um, In 2013, his former wife, Karen, wrote a book called In the Shadow of an Artist, The Heidelberg Project. It's her point of view. Oh, okay. On the Heidelberg Project, what she did to contribute to it. And it sounds like, you know, how she felt she was treated poorly and all this. I don't know how much of that is true or what exactly the book contains. Yeah. And I did kind of, like, think it was weird when I was looking through the timeline that, like, they mentioned Karen at the beginning and then, like, he's getting married all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, I I looked into it a little bit because I wanted to find out, did they get divorced or did she die? Like, what what happened? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know exactly what happened. And I don't want to, like, slander anybody by making guesses, but... Just from, like, the timeline and the organization of all of this stuff, and obviously this is a passion project, I could understand how a person like Tyree Guyton might be difficult to be in a partnership with because he has a very strong vision. And maybe if you're not completely on board with the vision, or maybe if you have different ideas, or maybe if you're not as strong of a personality, that might not work. Well, you know, the other thing is, like, they were beset by problem after problem after problem. Yeah. And the amount of stress that that creates in a person, it, it can't not end up a part of their relationship. That, that's a really good point. You know? Because... Because they're essentially at war with the city yeah. over, like... And I did read that... So, Karen wasn't from Detroit. Okay. She had moved there, and they met... And she had a, like, prior marriage that didn't work. And I don't know if she moved there and then met him or met him and then moved there with him or mm-hmm. how exactly that worked. But not long after they got married did they start the Heidelberg Project. Oh, really? So this is their relationship, you know? And I can understand how tumultuous that would be. Yeah. And and although they mention her on the website, 
and say that she started it, they don't mention her very much from what I could see. Well, so maybe yeah. there is a little bit of a feeling of being jilted of like, maybe she felt she contributed more than she gets credit for. Yeah. So that's another book I would like to get. I want to see what her point of view is because there's always, you know, two sides to a coin. Yeah. And I don't think I could discredit her point of view uh, entirely. So I, I'd be interested to find out what she says about it. And also I want to read his book and see <laughs> what he says, you know? Yeah, me too. Um, I'd like to see more pictures because I think I've seen a picture or two of yeah. some of the houses of this neighborhood. That's another place it would kind of be cool to see. Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, I wonder what it's like right now. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is still intact. I don't think they're. I mean, I think they're in the beginnings of like changing things. Yeah. Um. It. Both of these are passion projects. Both of these are are people who had an idea and were like, "I'm doing this." Yeah. Despite what people think, and it, they are for such different reasons too. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I you mean, made. there's a lot of similarities, but very, very different. Mm-hmm. Different approaches, different points of view. Similar causes in some ways, but just totally different. And I reading everything about HP, I just I felt the anger yeah. of Tyree Geisen. Like I felt the frustration. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. Oh yeah. Like if if you've been to Detroit and just driven through some places, it would make you angry. It's not unlike Youngstown in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I was about to say is I feel like you see it in Youngstown. Like it's you like see a, place- a city that was given up on. Oh, yeah. And if you, like, have really good feelings about a place you grew up in and then you come back and it's just like, what the hell happened? I understand that frustration of, like, yeah. wanting to make someone accountable for it. I almost feel like we're lucky to have never seen Youngstown at its height. Yeah, and in because some ways it would be. the generation immediately before us knows, you know, that he used to be a lot better. Man, my my grandma, her dad owned a taxi company, which my, my grandpa worked at sometimes. But when my grandma wanted to go shopping, she would go to, someone would take her to downtown Youngstown. Yeah, right. And drop her off. And yeah. she would go shopping at all the shops. And then. When it was getting dark or when she was done, she'd call, get to a payphone or whatever and call her dad's taxi company and he'd send a car and they'd come get her. Yeah. Like there, for people who don't know Youngstown, like there are things in downtown Youngstown and there is rejuvenation happening and there are things that people have been trying to get things going downtown for ages. It's just slow. They fell so far. You see the remnants of the shops. Yeah. Like you can see glimpses of what it would have been. You could see that the, you know, the setup for a great downtown area is there. Yep. And what it used to be. But just imagine like this was a place. It was like a city. It's like a real city where yeah. you could go downtown and do all your shopping mm-hmm. and, and be picked up by a streetcar. <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't a streetcar, <laughs> but picked up by a taxi and right. go home. Like it's not that way. Well, the, the most striking picture of Youngstown I think I've ever seen is when uh, JFK came to Youngstown. And there's a picture of all the people flooding out the streets, mm-hmm. like down like the Federal Street area. Yeah. And it's stupefying that that many people ever wanted to be there for any reason. Mm-hmm. And that's so sad. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we are kind of lucky not to have known that, knowing yeah. what it is now. 
Uh, and I can see why a passion project would come out of that rage of watching a place you love just go to just go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I would like to watch some of the documentaries about HP and some of the ones about Randy mm-hmm. and Randy Land. I, both of these projects were just so cool to read about. I was really excited to talk about them. Yeah. If anyone knows more about them or have been to visit them, let us know. Oh, yeah. If anyone that listens to this has ever met Randy, tell us about Randy. It seems likely <laughs> that if you've gone to Randy Land, you would have. Yeah. I mean, he's there a lot of the time. Yeah. And is the kind of person who you could just go run into and have a conversation. So, yeah. um, or if you've like been served by Randy at a restaurant, <laughs> and I think he works at a hotel restaurant actually. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think in downtown Pittsburgh. I think if I'm remembering the right place, I think my former roommate worked in their gift shop at that hotel. Oh really? But I, I could be misremembering. But yeah, and I think he still works there. How old is Randy now? He. He is, I want to say, like in his, early in 50s? his 60s. 60s. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's older than I thought he was. Yeah. He graduated high school probably around like 76, I want to say. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like 42 years ago. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um. So, oh, and I don't think I mentioned the detail, but he and Mac had been together for like something to the tune of like over 23 years or something. In 2016 when all that happened. So, like, they are both a staple, you know. In my head, I only picture Mac from its own I know. I know this. He doesn't look like that. And he's also not horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's not Mac from It's Always Sunny, but that's the only Mac I can think of, so. But, yeah, if anyone knows anything else about these, I mean, I I could have continued to try to do research on both of these. There's so much more about the Heidelberg Project I could look into. It was just... A lot. Yeah, I mean, right. it's a huge project, and they do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, much further reaching than Randy Land, for sure. Yeah, so if anyone has seen either of these and wants to you know, write into us and let us know about your experience, we'd love to talk about it on the show. Yes. Um, Christy, that was a really very cool set of uh, topics there. I hope you enjoyed it as yeah. much as I enjoyed reading about it. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> It's kind of got me thinking about what kind of stuff I can just craft around my own house. Right. <laughs> you know, like, okay, you know those marble track machines that people make with wire and they just race silver marbles through them? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, like uh, animatronic machine that used to uh, be at the uh, the Butler Art mm-hmm. Museum. I, I, mean, I can make one of those, right? <laughs> hey, whatever crazy project you want to do, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of makes me think whenever, whenever, whenever other people are being creative, I'm like, God, can I do something? Absolutely. You can. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening again. Yeah. Uh, keep sending us your suggestions for topics and uh, just generally drop us a line at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, also, this episode just gave me the feel feels. I just want to put real emotional about yeah. both of these. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause yeah, they're both, they're both quite extreme in different ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, uh, so thank you for listening again to Goose Chase. Goose Chase. We will see you next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. 
If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 